and culture crack is back it's here we're clear and we're drinking martinis it's cc72 the big james bond special uh, and joining me for this episode myself dave beside me i've got mr fabian sweeney in person hello fabian uh pleasure to be here and um winging his way across the uh what, what, what are you winging your way across james the entirety of the world the world, the world yeah. um, via WhatsApp from New Zealand it's Mr. James Sweeney James good morning good evening good night good morning but it is it is it is morning where you are is that right it is yeah it's, I'd say it's mid morning where I am nice bright spring morning here in uh, Arnington's capital great Wellington City yeah, as implied. Um, James, it's our big James Bond special. Um, this is something that I think, I feel like, uh, I feel like Fabian has been key in, in kind of like getting this up and running and happening. I feel, if I was to do a little bit of housekeeping here for a moment, I feel like, Fabian, you have been chomping at the bit for a James Bond CC special. Of course, yeah. Any excuse to drink uh, martinis and talk Bond. I mean... Two layers to that, two layers to that. There's obviously that layer. There's the second layer that this is the whiz kid that's driving CC 2.0. Well, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about there, James. I feel like with the CC 2.0 restructure, I think Fabian has kind of naturally stepped into a sort of more producer role where he is sort of the, um, you know, the, the, the catalyst to make episodes happen. He's, the, 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 he's driving a lot of the CC uh, momentum at the moment. The curator, the artistic director. That's what I'm going to use, artistic director. On your LinkedIn. Which is interesting. Yeah. I wonder what what direction culture is going to go in with Fabian as artistic director. Maybe it could go in any, you know, it could be transgressive. Well, like, I feel we went in a different um, direction with our Halloween special. I suppose we're back more to the basic sort of classic culture crack format yeah. for this Bond special but who knows what hey, the Halloween special was was as a feedback tier the Halloween special was very enjoyable did you enjoy it? that's a very spooky mics um, and cars driving past well we were we were kind of walking around your old stomping ground in Rathmines James could you sense uh, kind of where we were at times Could you, did you have a sense of the geography of our, our, our journey or was it just pure pure mystery? Uh, no, I had, a, I had a kind of sense, although I, I, I couldn't figure out where, because you ran into a dead end at one stage, and I wasn't sure where that was. Uh, it was down by that that kind of churchy building that's actually an office now, I think. Uh, oh, down there. Oh, you know, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of that road yeah. between Ranelagh and Rathmines. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I said, I, I kind yeah, of alluded yeah. to the fact that Fabian is chomping at the bit for a James yeah. Bond special. Um, like, you've brought it up many times to me in person. Myself and Fabian enjoyed a trip to Dublin Zoo last weekend, and you brought yeah, it up there. all I could think about the whole time. But I was looking back at my WhatsApp there earlier on today. So, like, just to give listeners a sense of how eager you are for us to tackle this topic. 13th of, of October. Fabian, Bond CC special this weekend, question mark. Skip forward to the 3rd of November. Fabian, when might suit for a CC Bond special, question mark. 
Now, I think that message was sent directly to me because later on the 3rd of November into the Culture Crack WhatsApp group, will we line up a Bond special? Yeah. Question mark Fabian. Then Tuesday of this week, Friday Bond special question mark. And yesterday, Friday night Bond special question mark. I mean, this is a man who is uh-huh. very, is persistent in, in, in making this Bond special happen. Well, you got to be as an artistic director. You have to be somewhat... That's a good producer there. And you kind of set the agenda for tonight, Fabian, and there, I mean, let's get this out of the way here again under housekeeping. There is going to be spoilers for No Time to Die. There's going to be potential spoilers for every movie in the Bond series because we have all seen No Time to Die. We're not holding back. We're not afraid to say what happened. So if you are a person who has not seen No Time to Die and you don't want to know what happens, you need to turn off the podcast now. You need to go to a cinema watch No Time to Die, or alternatively wait for the Blu-ray release later in December. Either way, you need to stop listening right now because we are going to spoil the movie and we're going to spoil it hard. He dies. Do it soon because James Bond dies at the end. Hopefully hopefully they stopped at the top of the the spoiler warning and didn't wait for the end of it. Well, I think we've waited ourselves long enough in terms of... uh, Of seeing the movie at all? Well, in terms of making this special... Whenever uh, it's nearly on the way out of 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 uh, uh, the cinemas, so I think once it's out of the cinema, you're 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 safe enough with your with your with your spoilers. So, do you think you think that they're heading in the direction of a multiverse? I think we're there. I think with the multiverse, is already happened. there. Yeah. Look! 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 Oh, look! Look! Look, okay, look, look at yeah, it this yeah. way, James. There's a James Bond in the universe who has got his double O status and died without marrying a woman named Tracy. And yet there is another James Bond in the universe that has married a Tracy Bond and has had her murdered. Tell me there's not a multiverse. Yeah. Tell me. Come on. Tell me. Come on. Tell me. And and also James Bond Jr. Well, no, James Bond. Well, yeah, he makes no sense. If there's anything that's been ripe for a streaming service to do as a live action TV series James Bond Jr. must be it I'd have to argue I imagine that's already in production for Hulu hey, no, no. well does James Bond exist on any streaming service I think there's massive rights issues in terms of streaming James Bond films uh, well, maybe they might be all otherwise they'd be they'd be somewhere. They I think they popped up on Netflix from time to time. Certain ones. Certainly the Craig ones possibly. Um there is, I think, a dedicated Sky Bond so, yeah. channel in which maybe has kind of yeah, soaked up the rights in this that, corner that, of the world. That, that's it. But I have one last piece of housekeeping before we get stuck in, right? And that is Fabian. This is, as you've said many times in the text I've read out, a Bond special. So yeah. you think of Bond, you think of big production, you think of you know, a, a huge event. Hmm. So what have you got in store for us to set this apart from our normal CC uh, in terms of, you know, massive production? Well, I've prepared some uh, delightful of martinis for you've, us. You've prepared them, have you? I prepared them, yes. Right. Yes, which I am just had my first sip of. is very tasty. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Um, beyond that, really... Uh, is very this, vo- very, is this very, just very, very vodka Yeah. Pretty good. So, say that again, James. 
Is there a theme song for this episode? Well, this is where I was going to go with this. Yeah. Maybe. How are we going to do that without uh, copyright infringement? Don't worry. We we said in a previous episode as we were sort of getting into the housekeeping of what CC 2.0 means for the pod that we were going to avoid copyrighted music moving forward. Thankfully, I've kind of come up with a bit of a loophole because... I don't think you can have a Bond special without James Bond music. It is such a central part to the James Bond experience. And True. So I, I just don't see there's a way you can do it. But I have come up with a loophole. And while we can't use, you know, the music recorded for the movies, I think it's fair enough to maybe do a few karaoke performances of, of classic Bond tunes. I I wholeheartedly agree. I'd do that. I'd, I'd go for it. I think if yeah, we, I go for that. I think if we pepper that throughout the podcast, I think that's going to be exciting for the listener. These unique culture crack performances of band themes. Um, so I, I think you know we're 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 at the top of the pod. I th- should we kick it off with Skyfall? Only Dave, if you have a MIDI version. I, I whatever YouTube gives us. That's why I've been I've been kind of charging the Kindle over there, uh, the Kindle Fire. I, do we do we kick this off with a big, big? Brassy performance of Skyfall. Uh, yes. Okay, let's let's line that up. I'm not sure whether to go up an octave or down an octave. Here we go. Halfway. Nice. Right. So Making you can see metal. the lyrics there as well. Okay. It's exciting, isn't it? This is quite exciting, yeah. And hey, Adele has got a new album out, so it's. it's can you hear this, James? Yeah. Can you hear the music? No. Why can't no, you hear the that'll music? That'll make it even more difficult. Sure, we we'll keep going anyway. This is going to make it even more difficult for me to come in the second order. It's going to come in now in a minute. This, this is, is the end. Hold your, hold your breath and count to ten. Feel the earth move again. Hear my heart burst again again for this is the end for this is the end I've drowned and dreamt this moment so over to I owe them swept away I'm stolen The sky falls when it crumbles. When we'll stand tall and face it all together at Skyfall. At Skyfall. Skyfall is where we start. Thousand miles and poles apart When worlds collide and days are dark You may have my number, you can take my name But you'll never have my heart Let the sky fall when it crumbles 
we will stand tall and face it all together. Let the sky fall when it crumbles. We will stand tall and face it all together at Skyfall. Is that enough? It's quite enjoyable to sing. Yeah, pretty. I was expecting that to be quite difficult to sing, but it was not, not, I think not too bad at all. You sort of went into sort of a kind of like swingy jazz version of us just kind of matching you. But yeah, James, why not? we'll get you lined up to sing the next one so that you have it at your end as well because I feel like you're at a slight disadvantage. And we can get you to start your video a second before I said, we'll work out. You, I go, what I say? I think this is done. I know I'll case. never be me without the security. Are uh, your loving arms keeping me from harm? Put your hand in my hand and we'll stand. Let the sky fall when it crumbles. We will stand tall, face it all together, and let the sky fall. When it crumbles, we will stand tall and face it all together at Skyfall. Let the sky fall. We will stand tall at Skyfall. podcast content so that's the tone set don't worry james we'll sort your joe, we'll sort joe, you out joe, on your end joe, for the next one joe rogan we're coming for you <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that was fun to produce live <laughs> i'd say it'll be an interesting <laughs> listen back the old levels on the, on that that bit it's a cc bond special baby um so fabian you're the agenda master tonight and but don't have access to the agenda. <laughs> you don't have access to the agenda. So the first, I'm using my phone to ring James. The first thing you put into the WhatsApp uh, agenda chat is Bond topics. Now, was that meant, well, that, was that meant that was as an item or a heading? More like a heading than an item. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll skip that. So, spoiler chat, no time to die. I suppose <laughs> that's going to be the main, the main topic. The main thrust, the main thrust is going to be what was no time to die like. So, Dave, I know you you personally have been hanging on for this to be released for long time, a long, long time. And, Since, and the, you've you've gone back and forth, you've gone back and forth about your levels of anticipation because yeah. certainly the way in which it was initially released had alarm bells ringing. Uh, it, it, uh, when you say when it was initially released, are you talking about when it actually came out? No, no, when it was initially planned to be released, there was alarm bells ringing, right? Well, it was initially planned to be released, I think, around, like, October, November 2019, back when Danny Boyle was signed up to direct, who famously had a falling out with the producers over, I think, certain elements of the movie. I've heard it rumoured that he wanted it to be a bit more lighthearted and possibly not end with James Bond dying, but 
Daniel Craig, I think I've seen somewhere, has said that certainly the ending of this, his tenure as Bond was always planned to end this way. I don't know if I believe that, but... No way. That sounds like just like... Spoofy they they did, did not plan that from the inception of Casino Royale. But anyway... But, but what the listeners no, want to know, what the feedback no. of tears want to know, Dave, was it worth the wait? Well, in my opinion... I think it was worth the wait. I, I, I found myself in a cinema for the first time in 2021 um, watching a two-hour, 43-minute-long movie that didn't feel like it was that long, um, that had its problems, and we'll get to that, but ultimately was a very enjoyable trip to the cinema and what felt like a fitting end to Daniel Craig's tenure as Bond. Um, great action, great soundtrack, great stuff going on. Some of it didn't quite get the uh, same attention as other parts. But overall, I I went in, I came out stunned by the ending, but overall quite happy with what had gone on. And uh, yeah, I for me it was a, you know, two thumbs up. If I, if, I, if I had a third thumb for some reason, I don't know why I would, but it's not impossible. I'd probably give it three thumbs up. Four, five no. bags of popcorn? Five, five <laughs> bags of popcorn, clearly. I, well, no. I think a better Six way. Bags of I, I think a better way of putting it is that if if I had thirteen thumbs for some reason, I'd probably give it eleven thumbs up. Really? So you're saying that you'd give it like eleven out of thirteen? Yeah. It, but but you give it eleven out of thirteen in a world where two is the maximum. No, I guess I'm looking at yeah. the, as as a fraction. But you're not really, because what you're talking about there is is that if there was a supernatural situation where you had more thumbs, so things are already off the chart there, right? Yeah. You'd have 11 of them up. Well, I just think the more thumbs you have, the more nuanced your thumbs up rating can be. All right. So, so you're being proportionate. You're not, it's, it's not as if the sheer excitement is making you grow thumbs. Yeah. It's, it like, it's not like 11 thumbs is like two times by five and a half. It's more like... It's it's the overall. It's like it's as I said, it's a fraction, it's a percentage. Because sometimes that can have a thing where like your excitement is accelerating to the point where you need more thumbs. No. But maybe no, no. towards the end of the thumb generation, you're running out of thumbs. You're like, oh, well, maybe not thirteen. I, think, like, I, think, I have thirteen. I think in this scenario, I was born with thirteen thumbs. So for me, that's right. a standard thing that I'm used to. So I'm I'm using it proportionally, as you said. Um, that's not the way you described it initially because it seemed to be escalating. Sorry, but yeah. that's fine. Sorry, in my mind, it made more. It made it made mathematical sense, but I could see how you got confused. But I mean, thank God I I wasn't born with thirteen thumbs because that would be a palaver. If I might interject with a dad joke at this point, uh, what do you call a judge with no fingers? A judge with no fingers. Um, your your. He's a judge. He's so, oh, he's a the, judge. So honor, yeah, honor. The, 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 the long, uh, the, the certain, the hand, just, of the, justice. hand of the law, or justice. the long of the justice. Jess is getting close. Just, just his fingers. Just his thumbs. Yeah, that's just his thumbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But you could no you, fingers. But you could re- you could reverse it and say a judge with no thumbs. Um, with no oh, thumbs. sorry, because I, I, yeah. I got the idea though, right? Didn't I? You did get the idea, yeah. 
Well, but I just it, didn't listen to the initial uh, joke yeah. closely enough. To, <laughs> you didn't listen to the setup closely enough to, you to actually, deliver the correct punchline. You could, you could, you could actually uh, apply that overall structure to loads of things. Like, what do you call a, a judge with with no no legs? It'd be like just his upper body, body. And, upper body and arms. Just his torso. Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. Well, you know... That aside, so uh, how, how many? What, what you're really doing, what you're really doing there, is expanding on the concept of jokes, really. Exactly. Yeah. But but it's more, you know, that that works. It, that works for a lot of. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's expanding on the concept of jokes. I think it's more kind of like, what is you're 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 riffing on the concept of jokes, though. No, I'm 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 riffing on what is there, what what part of that joke is flexible. Sure. Okay. Jokes aside. Uh, how many thumbs up do you give to, to No Time Today, James? In a 13 thumb world? Out of 13 thumbs, I'd probably give it maybe about 7 or 8. 7, only 7 or 8? Like so a, a little bit, a little bit lower just, than just, me. Just scraping above halfway. Well, let's before we get stuck into it then, Fabian, how many thumbs out of 13 do you give it up? Uh, maybe like, 9, maybe 9. Sorry. Like hear, yeah, like 9 or 10. Because 7 or 8 thumbs up is a very... Harsh score right after that. Yeah, I just maybe, love to know maybe, maybe that's, where that's maybe that from. is a bit that is a bit harsh. Uh, I just you, um, it was it was it was a strange sort of a film because I think you have to interpret it in the context of a series, mm. and in the context of the series, I find that it was like without one of being a, a weird hipster, I definitely think that you know the first two Craig films I thought were pretty good as standalones. Then obviously they decided. Take it in a more serialized fashion, and try and create a contiguous narrative. And I think it's been going steadily off the boil since that point, uh, with with the return to the slightly more campish Bond. And in that sense, I find this to be the the, the totality of uh, of of campishness, where that, that that whole kind of even the the token nod to the visit to Vesper Lynn's uh, tombstone, which then blew up. I was just like, what? Like that? That is just I can't understand the relevance, the significance, well, the salience of what's happened there. While I just that that was while I while I loved that scene because I just I loved the the, the loudness of the explosion and that sort of thing and and, see, and, that, I, that, and I, I, I loved the spectre calling card. I do agree with you, James, that that was. If you're paying attention to the Daniel Craig arc of movies, he left Vesper behind in Spectre. There was a point where he went to um, L'American with. Uh, Madeline Swan inspector and he finds uh, Mr. White's kind of secret room of videotapes and one of them is labelled Vesper or Vesper Lind or something like that and he, he looks at it and considers it and he throws it away yeah. and I remember watching Spectre and thinking that is Daniel Craig's James Bond and that is his closure and moving on with Madeline Swan in that moment mm-hmm. of Spectre so for him to have to visit her grave. It was slightly retreading old tracks for the sake of tying, kind it, of, it, kind it of bringing felt, everything felt, together for one movie. Very, it felt very contrived. Yeah, but it interestingly, was, you you've got to the heart of the dichotomy that I feel about this film, as far as that that occurred in the opening sequence, right? And and the sequence itself was fantastically done. Yeah, and I loved this. I loved some of the the way in which this film was directed, particularly the opening sequence where 
a lot of the action scenes were filmed in a way that you could see what was happening yeah. without getting confused and very and very inventive um, lyrical ways. You know, uh, the, the, the long shot of him driving his motorbike. Yeah. I, up, I, I up, should up have written, the town. written this down, but who was the cinematographer? Was it Deacon again or was it? I, I don't know. I don't know, but... Uh, but I think, Fibon, I think that comes down to direction more than cinematography. Well, it's a, probably, it's yeah. a bit of both, like, but I'd say like the composition of shots is largely... Um, no, 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 but, but, but the composition of shots is how you frame it. But how you shoot stuff is to how you shoot stuff is no, but the cinematographer's job. Well, like, like without no, but, we, no, we, 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 we got to get a world class cinematographer as a guest no, on Culture Track and explain what their job is. I don't think I don't think we should spend too much time arguing about who did what on the film in terms of mm. cinematography versus direction. But what I will say is that in terms of the movie, the opening it's, and it's about a half an hour before it gets to the opening credits. The opening half hour is the, is the best Brilliant. part of the movie, and it is oh, electric. And no word of a lie that. That shot of the Aston Martin going through the Italian hills towards that town, and when the music um, evokes, you know, the the um, all the time in the world and yeah. all Secret Service, I actually got goosebumps, and I I'm not sure if I've ever gotten goosebumps in a cinema. I got goosebumps. Brilliant. And then, and in fact, I'd say that the best the best passage of cinema I've seen in donkey's years, yeah. but. The problem with that is, is that is that it's in, in the context of the Bond narrative. I thought the whole storyline and setup was excessively contrived. I also felt that subsequent to that, you know, the film struggled to establish any sort of tension between, like Rami Malek's character was a non-event. Well, 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 the, basically, didn't exist. The villain is the least important, and the villain mm. and his plot are the least important elements of this movie. Com- completely. So, in in that sense, in that sense, it's a field Bond film for me. Um, but saved by brilliance at some parts. But That's like, why I'm talking about the seven or eight. Can I just give you um, a sort of a quick blow by blow that what I what stood out to me as kind of the different sections of the movie, right? Mm. So it opens with this sort of flashback to Madeline Swan as a child um, being hunted down by Remy Malek's character in a mask. Um, Shot in a very sort of horror thrillery way, very effective, very compelling from word go. Um, just like full of greatness in terms of like the way you think she is hiding under the bed, and then she like pops up and pulls a gun on him and just unloads a full clip into Remy Malik. It's just like holy shit! Like here we go, yep. chasing her across the ice. What that Home Alone sequel should have been like? <laughs> Shooting down the through, the, through the ice, like that's deadly. Cuts to Bond weaving his way through Italy with Madeleine Swan, as we said, um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. The music uh, um, uh, all the time in the world kicks in. It's beautiful. There's a visit to Vesper's grave, which is, as you say, James, possibly a little contrived. But there's the spectre calling card, and you don't even as an yeah, as a person, oh. like, but even as a person in the in the cinema, you only get a split second to recognize the intention behind that calling card being there before there is the loudest explosion I've heard in the cinema in a long 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 time mm-hmm. like blow your ears off and he blows Daniel Craig's ears off his his sounds his, the sound of the movie becomes all distorted what he's kind of like dealing with the repercussions of being on the receiving end of this enormous explosion and then there's a deadly chase with a guy who has some sort of robot eye which I loved um, the next thing then is like 
Daniel Craig is away in uh, where where is he? He goes to Jamaica, as I recall. Jama- Jamaica, that's right. Um, he's just kind of hanging around, and he gets tracked down by the new 007 and being and and is asked to go to Cuba to kind of go to something, which turns out to be Blofeld's birthday party, where he he is present at the party by way of a robotic eye on a tray, and he has gathered all of the members of Spectre to his birthday to witness the murder of James Bond. But then shit gets flipped, and all the members of Spectre get poisoned. And uh, Anna, yeah, da- and that, that, that was quite a, that, that that was quite a good sequence as quite, well. I thought quite, that quite um, quite an entertaining sequence, but slightly maybe out of place of the rest of the movie. Kind of, I I felt yeah, of all yeah. of all the scenes. I know they brought on like Phoebe Waller Bridge to give like a sort of more comedic element to some of the writing. Mm. I felt like the comedy writing and the comedy elements. It was almost like an Edgar Wright film. For <laughs> for that um it, that that that, yeah, that scene yeah, yeah. In, yeah. in Cuba with with Anna de Armas as the Cuban agent who he joins forces he with even lines oh it's a Spectre Bongo Bongo party and, and, which and is she, the, she, one of the funniest she, lines she, ever heard she cinema. was a she was actually one of my favorite characters yeah. because she was such a strong and the way in which her action sequences were shot shot was again I I, I never was confused about what she was doing and. and she was so balletic in the yeah. way she was punching yeah. and kicking people, which you don't usually see. I was just like, fuck, that's, that's very different. It was anything it, I've seen before. I, I felt like it was the most um, similar to kind of the recent Mission Impossible movies, maybe mm. that that whole section. Yeah, true. Yeah, where yeah, 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 where yeah, there's kind yeah. of snappy interchanges of dialogue between characters while they're, you know, shooting people and jumping over stuff and everything is a bit crazy but they're taking See, a drink not, and do you not do you not feel do you not feel that if they just tried to extricate it from the narrative like the whole specter vesper yeah. narrative there was the makings of a fantastic bond film it, there like a groundbreaking bond film it, it sounds like what you're talking about is similar to what a lot of critics say about the marvel movies that they're all potentially good films that are ruined by the sense of they're being um, sleep yeah, yeah, having yeah. to move pieces around a chessboard for the next phase yeah, of they're, the they're, cinematic they're, universe. They're they're a slave to the ecosystem in which they exist. Well, which is why, like, I I I've come out with some really ridiculous hipster nonsense in this pod before about ha- having Quantum of Solace as my favorite uh, Craig Bond film, which is nonsense because it's not a that, good that, film. That's hipster but nonsense. Yeah. Let's not forget all the augmented reality stuff. But but well, that's true. Yeah, but but but. Um, but can you understand what I mean when I say that, that the spirit of it as kind of a freestanding... Well, I'll tell you, James, I, I agree with you. And I think a key example of that in this movie is the presence of Blofeld in the movie. I feel like... Unnecessary.com. Put in more for the trailer than the actual movie. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, 100%. The, the, the fact, the, the idea that he would have Madeleine Swan as his psychologist... And yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and there's a sort of a very underwhelming death of Blofeld. He he succumbs to 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 Saren's, uh, what's his name? Saffin. Saffin's mm. gas, um, or poison, and he's just he's gone. He's done. That that's that. And that to me felt a little bit underwhelming. And uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, just kind of in there. I think the movie's biggest problem is its middle. Yeah. Starting's great. The ending worked for me. I Maybe it didn't for other people. The, the last act, the middle act is very uneven. There's all this sort yeah. of like, 
Why, wh- what's Madeline Swan? Do we the, like her? Do we trust her? Essentially, the after Cuba, um, yeah. Bond travels to an oil rig, and there's this sort of. Well, I thought it was actually a very good scene where um, uh, Felix Slater and, and Bond are stuck on a sinking ship. That's or, that, that's that's still that, well, that's, yeah, that, that's, that part, that's, part of, that's part of Cuba, though, right? That's all part of that. But whole I, well, I thought it was a a good scene, like the the. Again, Jeffrey Wright, great, great actor, and, and give just, a, a just good send off as well. Just to throw back to the multiverse, there's a Felix Leiter who dies in that ship. There's mm. a Felix Leiter who gets his leg eaten off by a shark after his wedding. So again, multiverse. Yeah. Um, Plus, Pierce Brosnan's still alive, so he, technically he's still born somewhere. I would love, and I've said this before in the podcast, I'm sure, I would love another Pierce Brosnan bond. He made a comeback. Just an old. Oh. Bring him out like it's a bond for he's old. He's back out of retirement and he's just. I'm just gonna do one more job. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, sure, I'd love, I'd love, I'd love the long since fabled bond film that was going to be set in Ireland where he like foils the IRA. <laughs> Didn't Pierce Brosnan teams, also play? Was it that he, <laughs> he joined he, up with he them. Teams up with the IRA. Yeah. Teams up with the IRA allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, old old enemies and your friends, eh? So thought you'd never ask. I know this is probably a tired a tired topic, but just straw poll. Favorite Bond. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, hand on heart. Do you want, do you want, hand uh, on heart, Roger Moore. Do you want to elaborate, Jamesy, there on on why why you think? Uh, just for comedic value. For uh, the world is not enough, which is well, it's not a name to the world is not enough. Is one of my favorite HB ice cream funday party. (laughs) (laughs) He does a lot of good, he does a lot of good jaw strangulation acting. Um, are we have we moved topic? Are we still talking about no time today? No, I think we did. Yeah, we're we're. I I feel this is going to be pretty loosey goosey, kind of like uh, uh, we'll no time to diet, but also yeah. can, can I can for I me it's Timmy Timmy flu- D. This is fluid information. Can it's I talk t- about one of the most disappointing? Me, it's, it's Timmy D for me. Can I talk about one of the most disappointing scenes in No Time to Die for me? That the bit I saw in the trailer, I was very excited about. When it transpired on screen, I was very nonplussed, and it ties into a larger thing where I think that, ex- with the exception of the the scene in Italy in this movie. There have been no good car chases in a Daniel Craig Bond movie. And I thought the Land Rover thing in No Time to Die was just boring and was basically an ad for Land Rovers. They were just driving through puddles and nothing was happening. I'd agree there. Like, if was you... that the bit in the forest in Norway? Yeah. Uh, obviously, prior to that... I thought whenever whenever he got out of the car in the forest when in he Norway, was, that was pretty When cool. he was out of the car, it, that was great stuff. But like, if you think about it, right? Casino Royale... He spends the whole movie waiting to get into the Aston Martin, gets into it, drives down a road for a short distance and then flips the car to avoid Vesper and there's, there's no chase. Quantum of Solace, there isn't really a car chase in Quantum of Solace. He, he drives a car at one point um, to get to a kind of a shipyard. You have the iconic model of the Ford, <laughs> Ford car yeah. from uh, uh, Quantum of Solace. Was 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 there not uh, was there not uh, in Quantum of Solace? Was there not like a motorbike chase over rooftops? There, there. No, there's a motorbike chase in the shipyard. Oh no! Actually, Quantum of Solace has the, the parkour. The big, be- the beginning of the beginning of Skyfall has a motorbike chase where he ultimately gets onto a train. 
and it's it's that's not bad. Um, Spectre has a car chase in in Rome where nothing happens, where Dave Batista drives after him, and nothing happens, and he he parachutes out of the car yeah. like literally nothing. And I feel like there hasn't been a like it hasn't been a visceral. Oh, actually, do you know what? I'm I'm slightly wrong. Because the, the opening to Quantum of Solace is actually deadly, where he's bombing around in the, the car and getting doors ripped off. It's just quite hard to follow the first time you watch it because of the editing style of Quantum of Solace. But I, I, I think in general, there hasn't been a really satisfying Daniel Craig car chase where just cool shit happened. And the Land Rover thing in this movie felt like a full-blown, sponsored commercial. We need Land Rover have paid what for this the movie. What about the helicopter chasing him in Mexico City? Is that not a thing? No, but I'm talking about car chases. Yeah, proper car chases. I'm talking about car chases. Yeah. Like, look at the Bourne movies, yeah. like deadly car chases. Or Ronan. Uh, or Ronan has unbelievable car chases. Like, I just feel like we never... Best, best, best car chase ever, famously. Yeah. Um, so that that, that that was at a point in the movie where things were really beginning to lose their way for me a little bit. And nobody had really explained Safin's plan was there sort of a sort of a genocide element to it where he was trying to wipe out a particular race uh, I what? think he was just selling it to the highest bidder that seemed to be his plan was because I because I think there was people coming to buy his secret weapon off off his island like there was buyers coming to take it off uh, him. I don't know but yeah I wasn't too sure what, what his plan was I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure if they ever explicitly lay it out. But just when I was beginning, at, at first, at first he he kidnapped the child, but then he didn't. He was like, yeah. Well, well I think we 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 we've, we've glossed over here one of the biggest yeah, well, elements I, and spoilers I, of the film. I was just about which to say is that that Bond has a daughter with Madeline Swan. Just just when I was which beginning is revealed. To, to to kind of check out a little bit, wham, Bond has a daughter, and you know, being somebody that you know not kind of relatively new dad to a daughter myself suddenly I was slapped in the face with the repercussions of I, what this meant I, I had that slight kind of dad moment alright when I was watching it well, when the bit where he picked up her doo doo and he ha- tucked it under his belt and it gave it dur- during a quite tense uh, shootout kind of action scene and she dropped her doo doo which was a little bunny thing and he picked it up and tucked it into his belt and gave a little smile and I just kind of thought like what? What? What movie are we watching now? And it's quite appropriate that Rowan should can make his feelings known at this stage. But I, I was just like, what, like suddenly I was transported to a different movie that I had never been expecting to watch. Where all of a sudden, you know, th- there's never any stakes really at the end of a Bond movie. It's literally this is the bit of the movie where he chases down the villain, and shit happens, and and there's a happy ending, and he gets the girl. And he he he. He he uh, he arrives in some sort of like capsule in the middle of the sea and yeah and he's beds some he's be- instantly beds the woman that he's smooching. with but it had been playing on my mind the whole time um, since we found out that you know there was a kind of a DNA element to this, to this nanobot poison and that how you know somebody who shared your DNA was also a target and the penny dropped for me a, a kind of a, a moment or two before the twist in the movie where basically. Bond is sprayed with the poison that will oh, yeah. kill his daughter if he ever gets close to her again. And I, well, I, I was, this was a devastating turn of events for me. I knew the writing was on the wall at that stage and that bad shit was going to hey, go down. Hey, you can't, you, you, you can't be doing that. You can't. Are you going to, are you going to try and say that that was an all time high whenever you realised that the writing was on the wall? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, um, I. <laughs> I I think what I was I was thinking was, um, it gave you a view. It gave you a view to a kill, did it? Well, it hit me right in the thunderball. Wait, and you uh, and you just thought you know my name, Bonfilm. <laughs> and I also found myself thinking. Goldeneye, Goldeneye, <laughs> Goldeneye. I I don't know if you listen to the James Bonding podcast. I know Fabian, you have distinct distaste for one of the people on that podcast. Well, like he's just the useless one from the Nerdist. But that that's. The... <laughs> but but they put it quite amusingly by saying that that moment where Bond realizes that he'd never be able to physically touch his daughter, um, without killing her. For one person said that that moment hit harder for them in light of the pandemic and what we've all been through and being separated from friends and family and that sort of thing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah that's that, interesting. Concept. That was immediately countered by the other person on the podcast who said that it, that what we've been through had actually lessened but, the impact of that scene. That they could have just he could have just gotten some PPE and been fine. Yeah, just you'd be grand. I thought I thought I thought you were going to say it was it was lessened it wasn't for him because he's realised that COVID wasn't real. Scandemic. <laughs> Possibly that too, you know. I mean, we're all living that every day. Um, what do you think of that twist and the, between the daughter and then you know the the moment where you realise they're going to be separated for like was it was I it, mean was I mean I feel like I feel like I didn't I didn't consciously say oh that's definitely what's going to happen but the second that it happened I was like some part of my brain knew this from a while back that this is this was like I was like oh. DNA, he's got a daughter, oh, right, okay, there's going to be some sort of twist here to do with, he has to save his daughter with his own DNA, or I knew there was going to be something along those lines, I didn't realize it would be that, but. Well, for me, the ending was an emotional role. I was a wreck. I'm not going to, uh, do you know, I'm not going to lie, there were tears in my eyes as the credits rolled. Wowie. And I was sitting in the cinema and I was thinking, I did not expect to be an, at a Bond movie and emotional at the at the ending of a Bond movie because, at the you know, as we've said, the ending of a Bond movie is just villain has gone down in a big explosion somehow and now Bond is smooching underneath the parachute. Well, there, there's obviously the one notable exception to that, which indeed they, they're quoting at the end of that. We've got all the time in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, did you have an emotional reaction the first time you saw that scene in in, in the movie where Lazenby is, 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 is holding did, Diana did, Rick's did I have corpse. an emotional no do you know what I didn't I think I think On Emergency Secret Service is a fine movie but the first time I watched that movie I found Lazenby so jarring that I couldn't take any of it that seriously so I don't think I was that upset when he was kind of going it's it's quite alright really <laughs> The but I was a wreck at the end of this movie. I was, and I and I left the cinema, and I was in shock. I think for about the next hour, I just kept repeating the words. He's dead, Ashling. He's dead. So what next? He's dead. What's what ne- next for Bond? What next for for Hathaway? But did you say till the end of the credits? Yeah, James Bond will return. James Bond will return. So it's fine. Multiverse. Well, I think it's time for another big Bondy number here on the CC Bond special. So it's over to you, James, to tell us what we're singing next and um, 
Well, yeah. What are we singing next? I mean, there's so many good ones. I mean, like, I'm obviously tempted to go for Nobody Does It Better, if only because of the scene in uh, Spike Jones' 2003 film, Lost in Translation. But I actually think I'm going to go for a, a, a Brosnan. Oh, I did not see that coming. Mm. What, Brosnan? I'm actually going to go for t- for Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, a bit of Cheryl Crow. Wow. A bit of Cheryl Crow. Okay, so James... Ob- I we thought obviously- you were going for Golden Age, James. That would have been... We, we obviously just... I mean, like I thought of it, I thought of it. Through smoke and mirrors. Down and bum, 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 bum. Famously written by Bono on the Edge. James, so again... You, will you give us a three, two, one go, and we'll try and get in there on, on time. No, I, I'm I'm on zero zero, right? I'm on zero zero. Yeah, me too. You're on zero zero. Yep. Yep. Okay, so you're gonna go. You're going to go, go on go plus one. Mhm. Yep. 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 One, two, three, go one. Okay. Yep. One. Oh, two, I thought that, no, three. I thought that was it. Like I thought that was it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So go again. Uh, Very fast. One, two, three, go. You ready? One, two, three, go. Considerably late. <laughs> it's a different version, like. Midi version, which is great. Yeah, that puts more of an importance on our vocal performance, so oh, this isn't too bad, actually. Here we go. Down in I'm killed. I'm in a bottle on the floor Waiting for you to return Oh, what a thrill Fascination's got How you tease, how you lead me to burn It's so tangly, my dear the power of having you near Until the day Until the world falls away Until you say love you no goodbye I see it in your Drum pill was the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Darling, you've won. It's no fun. It's Martinis, girls and guns. It's murder on our love affair. You've got your life every night while you chase the morning light. This is an exceptionally hard song to sing like Deadly the, the power of wanting you near until the day until the world falls away. Until, Until you, you say, say there'll be no more goodbye. goodbye. I see it 
I feel like this one, this one went worse than Skyfall. <laughs> yep. But tr- but trust James Sweeney to pick the hardest one to sing. Like every time, James, give us a Christmas banger to end the Christmas episode on. No, here's a, an impossible song to sing. <laughs> but this, in fairness, this, 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 this is a fucking great backing track though. Jesus Christ! As a you. This is the big thing. Until the day. Until the world was away. Until you say no more goodbye. Tomorrow never dies. There's no news. Like bad news. You forgot the first roast rule of mass media, Elliot. Always give the people what they want. Mr. Kaufman, he was my, he was like a father to me. I could shoot you from Stuttgart and make it look like a suicide. And still create the p- proper effect. <laughs> I'm just a professional doing a job. So am I. So am I. <laughs> let's, watch, let's watch all the Brosnans right now. So that was our second big musical number. I would say that one, that one was problematic. But anyway. Yep. A tough more, one. Ma- more martinis. In, generally speaking, not a well-received uh, Bond um, theme, you have to say. And did you know, the other theme song that almost made it for that movie was called Surrender by Katie Lang. Oh, yeah. And the entire score tomorrow is... Tomorrow never dies. Surrender. surrender. Tomorrow will arrive on time. Perhaps James is thinking of that one. I'll with every line till you are mine. Tomorrow never dies. And the whole David Arnold score was built around that being the theme song yeah which is why it sounds so deadly and why Cheryl Crow's song sounds like nothing well I wouldn't go as far as that I like Cheryl Crow's one but, but I think the um the other version is actually better me too of course it's the complete opposite with um, Goldeneye where the composer for that movie wrote and sang the end credit song and it's awful there's a secret version of Goldeneye that I wasn't aware of. No, it's not a version of Goldeneye. Um, the the composer for Goldeneye. I the the, the, the end credits of Goldeneye are ridiculous. They, like like it, the song is kind of like it sounds like any song in the night where you're walking out of a cinema in the nineties, where it's just like. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Gladys Knight knockoff. But the composer for Goldeneye, if like if you listen back to the score of Goldeneye, right, 
There's very okay. listen. There's very little brassy band stuff going on. It's all sorts of, and yeah, stuff going on. Yeah, and I which is why which is why the video the I, I thought video that was just so all well very they, much. They, they riffed on that. I thought that was like very much a conscious, aggressive effort to make it seem edgy and nineties. Uh, like for me, it suits the sort of Soviet um, Cold War, post Cold War kind of vibes of Goldeneye very well. But the scene where in Saint Petersburg, where Bond um, commandeers the tank and chases after um, what's your man's name, Colonel General Urimov, General Urimov. On the CD soundtrack of Goldeneye, you get the original composer's version of that song, and it's 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 in keeping with the rest of his score. In the actual movie Goldeneye, obviously somebody made a call. No, we just need the Bond theme for this part of the movie, so they didn't use his music and they just threw in. But if you listen to the actual soundtrack of Goldeneye, it's like. Yeah, uh, one scene that jumps out in particular is the scene in the sort of mountains surrounding um, um, a Monte Carlo where they're uh, yeah. uh, 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 r- racing Bond at this. But that's that's kind of the the, the fun. That's the most sort of fun kind of upbeat bit on the soundtrack. The rest of the soundtrack is just. Yeah, and I, I, maybe because it works well in in scenes where he's in like I, I think. I was going to come to this later, like snowy and stuff. But the, the scene in in in. Uh, the the Severnaya the, the dam the dam but also and, and in the 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 archangel archangel's uh, chemical weapon facility where he's kind of like sneaking around inside in it but also the scene dun, dun, where dun, dun, where, dun. where where Double O Six is revealed to have been have to survive the attack and is actually a villain and you know that that scene in with well, surrounded by all those statues well. yeah that kind of like it's it, it actually suits the movie perfectly but listen to the soundtrack isolated from the movie and you'll find yourself thinking this is a bit strange. And they obviously then decided, oh, let's just get David Arnold the, the, to brass the, the scene, shit out of it from here on out. The scene when he's in the uh, the Turkish baths and he's been stalked by... Uh, Xenia. What do you call her? Xenia on the top. Xenia. Xenia on the top. Are you okay, James? Oh, stay on the top of things. Yeah. <laughs> that depends on your definition of safe sex. What does he say after he kills her again? She always liked a good squeeze. That's it. Alluding to the fact that she was crushed to death between two branches of a tree. I always felt bad for the poor lad, Canadian admiral she kills. On the boat, yeah. The beardy fella. Like, uh, he just I, seems like just a, uh, just a poor old... Chuck? Yeah, poor old Chuck. Like, I felt bad for him. <laughs> he should have known something was up. I surprised he didn't have tighter security. So let's Brosnan, get back up to the future. But just, but just a quick one on that though. Brosnan does great towel fighting in that scene. He does. Like, lads, we have to get Brosnan as a guest. <laughs> I love Brosnan. What a guy. That's <laughs> my he's my favorite Bond. Do you know? As I was walking over here today, I was listening to some Bond tunes, and I was thinking about if I had to, if I was able to sit down and watch a movie on uh, tomorrow, if I had the time. 
And I thought to myself, I, I, I want to watch a Brosnan. Like, I'm ready for a Brosnan. Yeah. You know, you go through phases the in life. Is not enough. Sometimes you want a Dalton. Yeah. But sometimes you want a Brosnan. But sometimes you need a Moore. You have to be in a very, you have to be in a, a very dark space to, to want a Dalton. Do you know, the, the, the first lockdown, I was... I just wanted Dalton. I watched. I watched um, as Michal Martin was, or no, as it was Leo Radker at the time was telling us that the, the we were shutting down and we sacrifices and all this sort of stuff. I, I I was getting my copy of the Living Daylights out of its DVD case and popping mm-hmm. it in the PlayStation. I have to say, Timmy D is my favorite of them all. He's great. He made two fantastic movies. Yeah, he's my favorite Bond. Timothy Dalton. Everything I say is slotted behind where my mouth is at. Kara, we're in the middle of a Russian airbase in the middle of Afghanistan. Okay, yeah. Teaming up with the Taliban probably hasn't um, aged as well as... as Sanchez is... Sanchez wants to know where we are. I've got Sanchez's ear. Timothy Dalton. What's anyway, Fabian? You're the kind of the ringleader here at the Big Bond CC special. We've sort of gone. I think. I think our what? martinis and performance from Tomorrow Never Dies slightly derailed us. What's next on the agenda? I don't know. You, you have the agenda. Oh yes. That seems to be an oversight on your part. By kind of well, I just didn't think that. You know. Normally, James does the agenda. Well, he is the agenda master. So. We've done spoiler chat, no time to die. Well, I'd say so, it's going to continue throughout, like, yeah. So we just have four more topics to cover. So the, so the next one is best Bond pre-title scene. Yeah, that was a thought I had, was that um, of all the Bond films I've seen, and of this film, the um, pre-title scene of No Time to Die is probably its strongest element. Well, it's very evocative of Dr. No and... You know, again, it's trying to kind of like uh, it's fan servicing a bit, isn't it? Yeah, but that's my question for you was of all the Bond sort of uh, uh, series, what's your favorite pre title sequence well, well, from it, the Bond series? It's a tough one because everything up to kind of the Brosnan and Craig era is just kind of like silhouettes of nude women Identical. dancing. More so, like, no, yes, no. Uh, so there's always like. Gun barrel sequence, yeah. Oh, pre title. Oh, sorry, you're talking yeah, about the, oh, then so you're like, talking, oh, then pre-title. there's like, oh, yeah, uh, pre-title. like an action sequence, and then your main theme. Oh, oh so I see what's your you favorite, mean. like, oh, yeah, little action yeah. sequence between gun barrel or and 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 do you know? I, 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 I hate to go right back to Brazil after what we've been talking about, but the Russian Arms Bazaar and Tomorrow Never Dies is just perfect. Yes. The music composed by David Arnold for that seven and a half minutes is glorious. Everything about it I love. I love it. I cannot yes. state how much I love it. Yes. I I, 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 I have a backup because I, I knew you were going to pick that one because you're correct about it because it is the best. Backseat but I, driver. I don't like I... Even, every, <laughs> Like co- co- Colin Salmon as 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 White Rook, and then Bond is White Knight, and they all have like chess themed nicknames. Yeah. Show us the pawns, double Just <laughs> just the way he pretends to like give a man a light and then smashes him in the face. Like it's perfect. My my own personal favorite part of it is the fact that there's um, the sort of jolly admiral played by uh, Jeffrey Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's like, it's like who is the new nonsense? I guess I'm mad as well. Face the truth. 
No, you're thinking, no, you're, you've, con- you've, con- you've, con- you've confused one foot in the grave with, with um, um, as time goes as by. Time goes by. Which <laughs> which is which has never happened before in the history of podcast. But, but but yet but yet is understandable. The, and even the best thing about that whole sequence is the fact that Judy Dench played his wife yeah, on screen uh, on screen in 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 exactly, as time goes yeah. by in almost the same kind of relationship dynamic uh, as it being like then we'll take the naval option. Yep. The sinister Henry 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 Gupta buying buying um. Do you know one of the greatest thrills of my life was seeing David Arn David Arnold and an orchestra perform that piece of music in the National Concert Orchestra, and I sat there in my chair and I knew every fucking note of that, and I love I loved every second of it. Like it's perfect, and his music is a large part of why that whole sequence is is so good, but it just hits everything perfectly like it's perfect uh, like what 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 does Je- your man jeffrey say um like what the devil is he doing and he's just like his job and it's like you're yeah, doing his job <laughs> <laughs> he, he ejects your man who's trying to strangle him into another plane and then he breaks he breaks the camera lens as the jet Blasts, blasts out of the, of the blast zone, and there's all these, there's all these, there's all these shots from the perspective of the missile, yeah, weaving yeah. through the mountain, getting closer and closer to where this, and and there's and, a great sense of kind of uh, peril in the scene, like where where they're waiting for this like missile to strike when he has to get get the bombs out and, and, and escape from this, uh, and it's the perfect thing of the, what we used to be the old. Bond um, pre-credit scenes where it's almost entirely unrelated but there's like a sliver of connection to the main movie and it's because Gupta is there buying the, the GPS thing that yeah. they use to send the Devonshire off track oh, fuck, oh, fuck, fuck I love it so much yeah. everything about it is, is, is absolutely fab what, well, could him, what, what's, the back, what's the backup option then? oh the backup option I was going to say uh, uh, uh Maybe because it features the most improbable assassination technique in human history is the opening sequence to Live and Let Die. Which, again, I considered as possibly um, an opening to this podcast where where one of us would say, whose funeral is it? And the other person would say, yours, Bonds. I was actually thinking of plugging a detonator into your mic, um, <laughs> which would kill you, as everyone knows. Like, if you put a detonator into, so for the un, un, unfamiliar, the opening sequence of uh, three assassinations, three assassinations simultaneously occurring. One <laughs> at the UN. I think it opens at the UN, doesn't it? I think the UN is the first one. Yeah. Where you see a mysterious assassin put a. Essentially, a dynamite plunger detonator into uh, a diplomat's um, sort of ear feet. <laughs> sort of, I'd imagine the intense noise made by the dynamite detonator causes him to brain to fry <laughs> from the loud. <laughs> from the <laughs> Certainly, the particular frequency causes instant death. Then we, we cut to outside the Philly of Soul restaurant, Louisiana, New Orleans, Louisiana, where it's a, it's a, it's a, a somber sort of funeral. <laughs> I thought the Philly of, the Philly of Soul was in New York. There's a chain of Philly of Soul references through which Mr. Big distributes his heroin. 
but uh, uh, essentially a, a, a sort of... A... Vodka martini shaken, not stirred. No ice. That's extra, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 we, then we're soon treated to the... the... Anytime, anytime someone asks for no ice, I'm just like, that's extra, baby. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's a very insensitive film. <laughs> Not as much as the book, but 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 I don't know. I just enjoy that whole that whole sequence yeah, of no, well, I, and particularly that line. The most badass non-titled doesn't appear again character. He does appear again in the film. I think he murders um one of Bond's allies at a later point, but he never gets named. He just goes, yes. <laughs> Stabs him in the gut. In terms of like pre-credit sequences, I think Roger Moore has a great, um, you know, library of them. Even like for your eyes only, where he's, it's essentially essentially a middle finger to your man's lawsuit, where he drops an uh, an unnamed blowfell down a chimney. It's just kind of there's something about it where it's just like everything about this is working. A view to a kill, jumping off the. The is the is the pre credits of you to kill the Paris jumping off the Eiffel Tower. Oh, I think that might be that, into, that into the, the in, uh, into the film. Um, I think the ski chase scene from uh, oh, you're right. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, the spy I love me. Yeah, falls under that category. Although, but, but isn't isn't a view to kill actually a, a kind of a, a a ski chase scene as well where he's snowboarding? Possibly. The so. the other big honorable mention for me was, was another Brosnan, which is Goldeneye, which is. Yeah, absolutely stunning sequence where he's. Oh yeah, that, it begins that, that, that's with that's a, iconic. With a, yeah. he's sprinting yeah. through the gate, and then Bungie jumps off a, a dam. Yeah, meets 006. Features like where he hangs down into a, a, a lavatory cubicle. And again, you could watch that and think, you know, m- mostly unconnected from the plot, but actually is you know two hours in becomes a crucial kind of like holy shit that was the whole yeah 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 faux assassination of 006 and his defection and uh, just unbelievable stuff excellent unbelievable but even stuff like small moments like where Bond doesn't sell him out where he's like I'm alone and you see the difference there between Bond instantly he isn't the one who would sell sell out his comrades that's the and then the sequence where he jumps on a motorbike off the end of a cliff yeah. and then climbs into, into a, a plane, into a plane that's crashing to the ground and the then controls. wrestles with the controls to get a... What an excellent sequence. Like. Yeah. Jamesy, what's your option for this? Yeah, listen, I guess you've, you've kind of... I hadn't really thought this through uh, and I'm struggling to think of ones exactly, uh, trying to retain like like what happened in all the different films. But is there is there like uh, is there one that that you would gravitate towards? You know, I mean, I, that, that that tomorrow never dies one is obviously excellent. I recall that quite well. Um, actually, you know, but 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 I I guess actually I tell you I tell you what a good one is 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 again with with Brosnan is the one with the the, the, the speed boot down the Thames. But that's the word is not enough. I don't think that's as good as you think it is. Maybe not. Yeah, it is a bit boring, actually. And, yeah. actually. and that actually starts in Spain at a bank. He jumps out a window. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know what's a great one? And we're, let's go. Let's go Dalton here for a minute. And license, license to kill. kill the wedding. Felix. Lyman. The one in Mal- The one. 
Oh, the Wilding, yeah. Feeding There's also the one in Malta. Yeah, right, the Gibral- Gibraltar. I actually, I actually love that one as well because I think Gibraltar. the music is deadly. Also, also, it's really cool because he's. Also, he's hanging off the side of a jeep, hurtling down the hills of Gibraltar. I think this is another loophole to get around copyright music. Is if I just sing, so the, sing the, the music? That whole sequence is, is class as well, where he's like, yeah, I love it, hanging off the side of a jeep, like careening. Everybody down here is so boring. Yeah, yeah, and then parachutes into a a a, 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 a bored a, rich woman's yacht. <laughs> Everything about this. I'll be there in an hour. <laughs> Make it two. And but also license to kill and just Felix Leiter's wedding and catching Sanchez and and just parachuting into the wedding. I think and. and <laughs> And the bride's kind of like wedding trail, but then Felix and Bond's like parachutes mirroring that. It's just, it's just something so beautifully ridiculous about the whole thing and how it's perfectly acceptable within the context of Bond. That was that was very 80s, 80s Bond. Like. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I agree, Dave. Excellent. Just, just brilliant. Were you tempted at your own wedding to parachute in? Well... I think the answer is yes, but ultimately, when I looked at the budget, it wasn't a runner, and there was there was question marks about you know the, the, just the safety in terms of a very small margin of error in terms of the landing zone. Yeah, it's a bit of a, yeah, bit of a bum, bummer. Yeah, even small. If even if you kind of like if you're off by like fifty feet, you're impale, impaled on a fence. Well, it's more so just a long walk back. <laughs> if you and this is before this is before uh, Warzone was released, so our practice wasn't great. Yeah, not that it's any better now. <laughs> any, we, we, we've all gone. What, rel- what rel- else is on the? Rel- what else but is we, on the? We've all gone rel- yeah, relatively recently. I, I, I have to. I was also say, thinking midday, and I have to, thinking I have to of, leave. of Thunderball, oh, not Thunderball. Um. Uh, from Russia with love, with Bond. I've tried. Infu- I've, I've, I've infu- tried to think what that was. It's, when he's it's, infiltrating it's, the the, it's, the island base. It's Bond, but it's not Bond. And he's strangled to death by Red Grant. And it just turns out to be a Spectre training exercise. Red Grant from Mahnakloy. Oh yeah. Fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what Jim's in the books? Red Grant is from Mahnakloy. He's from Mahnakloy. And, yeah. and he often goes beyond oh, really? the beyond the county to strangle people just because he needs it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But then he doesn't he go off then and then goes off with the British Army and then defects to Russia, something like that. Yeah. Um But from Mahnakloy originally. Okay, I can think I can sense that James is antsy, so we're gonna move to the next topic on the pod, which is called Rank the Craigs. Which when I saw this yesterday, Fabian, I thought, could I come up with some sort of funny bit where I pretended to get confused and start talking about like Craig Charles David uh, versus D- David D- Craig Craig David, David over you know a different Craig turns out there's not David, that, David Craig there's not that many notable Craigs so I gave up on that after a short Wikipedia um, so ranking the Craigs is that is that kind of ranking the Craig movies that's what I was thinking yeah could we give a, 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 a where does where does No Time to Die fall in the 1 to 5 ranking of all the Craig Bond movies. James, do you want to go first? Your top five Daniel Craig Bond movie I mean, countdown I, in at number five. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I, I would almost put it at the bottom of the Craig films. It's what? Five, is five the worst? If five is lowest. So five yeah. would be the yeah. lowest and then so number one so would be So you're going the five, no time to die. Yeah, possibly. Oh. Harsh out. Number four. I mean, I, I'd give number four a, a reluctant Quantum of Solace because Quantum of Solace is not a good film, but I also feel like, oh, I just don't know. I thought you were way more a positive about Quantum of Solace. Yeah, I am. I am. I, I like. I really like Quantum Sauce, but then sometimes I think back and say, "Actually, though, James, you more just like the idea of it." I think you're. I think you're. I think you've. I think you're spiraling. I think you're. You're incepting. Well, let's just let's just let's just leave it as four. Three would be uh, Spectre. Two okay. would be Skyfall. One would be Casino Royale. You're in a shame circle. Hmm. What about you, Fabe? So I would be quite similar. I would, well, no, not quite. I would say Quantum of Solace would be five. Jesus. That's the weakest of them. Jesus. Spectre number four. Right. No Time to Die three. All right. Casino Royale two and then Skyfall one. Right. That's my ranking. Skyfall so Skyfall is number one. I know there's a lot of missteps. Casino Royale is... Casino Royale is clearly better than Skyfall. Thought, That's I one thought, thing that I, I cannot thought, dispute. I, I thought the obvious number one is Casino Royale for everybody, and and anybody who says otherwise is a strange person. I I know, but I just really like Skyfall. I think it's a really good film. Well, I think the way that I would have to put it is I would put Spectre number five. I would put Skyfall number four. I would put No Time to Die number three, Quantum number two, and Casino number one. Interesting, we're all placing No Time to Die in the three to four mark. Smack bang in the middle. Would watch again. Yeah. It's it's very much the Force Awakens of the Man movies, like. Which one's that? Like, my mind, the only two that new trilogy. Kind of like lots of fans. The only two that I would rewatch. Happy to watch it, like. Yeah, go on, James. The only two that I would rewatch would be Quantum and Casino. You wouldn't rewatch Skyfall. Uh, yeah, if if Skyfall and Spectre uh, were coming on telly, I'd be like, mm, depending on the time of the day and the mood I was in, I'd be like, you know what? Exactly. There's a lot to invest there for not a lot of return, perhaps. Skyfall, I, I, like watching that whole end sequence in in Scotland. No thanks. Uh, I could watch that Javier Bardem performance, but constantly. Javier Bardem Bond gets to his island there's a lot of tension there's the shoot after that after that it's dead but but the, the, there's this whole scene where how's Bond going to get out of this situation and then all these helicopters fly in and that's over Skyfall is such an uneven movie that makes little sense on paper that is less than the sum of its parts and I, that's why I put it down in fourth because as much as I enjoy every scene of Skyfall the experience of watching the whole movie end to end feels unfulfilling. I see where you're coming from, but I feel the quality of the individual scenes keeps it uh, so high. But I, like the scene where they're having the fight, with the silhouetted fight in 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 the skyscraper of Hong Kong, yeah. like that's such a good. class scene. But it's so dis- it it's so disjointed, and I don't and I feel like Spectre is a little bit the same, and I don't know if that's a Sam Mendes thing. 
but I definitely feel like they're hard movies to watch from beginning to end mm. and feel like you haven't lost your way along the way. But but No Time to Die, generally speaking, isn't regarded as being. You don't think it's the best of the Kriegs in a way. Like it's very much in no. The, but I definitely. But if No Time to Die came on the telly, I would hundred percent watch it because there's loads of mad shit in it and it mm. moves the location around. It's fun in places. There's stuff happening. It's got a great soundtrack. I wasn't too keen on the soundtracks for Spectre or Skyfall. Um, I think it was Thomas Newman who did it. Sorry if it wasn't. I may have uh, attributed criticism at him unnecessarily. I think it might have been though. Um, and But at least with No Time to Die, there is a great soundtrack and there is fun action. And yeah, I, I would watch that again. You know, it, it is very much a sort of an outlier in a sort of an Honor Majesty Secret Service kind of a way. But I can see myself watching... No Time to Die at a Christmas time. Stevens' Day, no problem. Yeah, I'd agree there. Spectre, Stevens' Day, Spectre comes on, I'm like, hmm. maybe I'll go for a walk. Skyfall, I'm watching it. Maybe I'd, I'd le- I would leave Spectre on whilst I was doing something else. Maybe. I, I'd probably watch the whole Mexico bit of Spectre and then I'd probably be coming, yeah. I'd be coming and going and making sandwiches and having a drink and exactly. going to, going to the yeah, t- I wouldn't be pausing yeah, it to go to the yeah, toilet yeah. like I'd be just leaving it go no or no, no, no. Casino Royale if it came on on St. Stephen's Day it'd be like fucking yes oh, or endless better every time you watch it and imagine 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 if uh, Goldeneye came on for like at like 5pm on St. Stephen's Day did we ever talk yes! about did we ever talk about on the pod Eva Green and when she was hanging around my neighbourhood there. I'm pretty sure we did. I think it was very well mentioned in the Halloween special as well. All right, fair enough. Yes. Quite yeah, very recent. They mentioned. <laughs> that's that's totally my fault. Well it's another bond link, I guess, like so Yeah, one that's of the one big of, thing. One of like a handful of bond people that I have either met or encountered in real life like you met Roger Moore that's a bigger bond thing to meet than Eva Green I'd have to say well that's a pretty big one like like that's the top bond I also met Britt Eklund as well she was the bond girl in um, uh, The Man with the Golden Gun Goldfinger no I didn't meet Goldfinger no The Man with the Golden Gun is is one of my least favourite movies it's pretty offensive offensive like in many ways as well yeah Oh, I spoke to Jane Seymour on the phone. Well, that's a top one. Yeah. So that 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 will be my bond, my bonding. So you met Roger Moore, and then some of the Bond girls who were in some of his movies. Yeah, and then also Eva Green. Eva Green. Well, I didn't shot. Meet, I didn't meet Eva Green. But she I, shot I, a movie within I just, walking distance I, of your I, house. I just walked past her on the street because she, she was filming a movie up the road. Yeah. Mark Strong, who could be the next James Bond? You, you never know. He's probably a bit old. They'd have to be. He'd have and to, bald. They'd have to pull a few of Connery's wigs out of the the the, the bond. Cabinet, I think like. Mark Strong would make a good tel- tel- Telly Savalas type Blofeld. But Louis, he has played that that kind of villainous role in a lot of films. He he's done it in Kick Ass and many other movies. Yeah, that's true. Maybe um, that's why I thought of him in that role. Folks, folks what what how how are we doing agenda wise? So we've only got ten more topics. It's power three and at least two more musical numbers. The next, the next um, topic on Fabian's agenda is best Bond villain and where does Safin rank? We touched on this already, I think, that Safin doesn't really exist as a villain. He's the most unimportant and forgettable aspect of 
Um, and, and the trailer, the trailer really sets him up with his mask and his mystery as being super important to Bond's world. But actually, the secret in the that both Blofeld is alluding to when he says her secret will be the death of you is the the, the daughter. Yeah, Safin is completely irrelevant, and I'm not sure what his plan was. Yeah, I'd I'd agree there. It was a uh, taking this plan out of the equation though. There's cool stuff going on with Safin. Mm. He's, he's got a cool mask. <laughs> That's kind of it. He's got a cool lair. In terms of performance from uh, from uh, Rami Malek, I liked what, it. What do you reckon there? I liked it a little bit. I liked the, I liked the line about. I liked the way he equated himself to Bond. Yeah. Um, in terms of making the world a, a better place or whatever he said, and being a bit more more tidy about it. Um, but he doesn't leave a lasting impression. And you know, like mm. that, that that's emblematic by the way in which Daniel Craig ultimately dispatches him. Like he doesn't really go beyond. Um, generic just creep like that that, that that's but, the problem but Craig just shoots him dead as a complete afterthought he doesn't give it a second thought it isn't like there isn't vitriol or vengeance He at the point at which he kills him in the movie he's completely nothing to him he's unimportant he, yeah. he literally oh, I don't know if he even looks at him when he shoots him it's one of it's, it's, a, it's a great moment in the movie where he just shoots him dead because he doesn't mean anything to him, and that's kind of the way his relationship to the movie. He's he doesn't really mean that much to the movie either. In terms of best villains, there's just too many to mention. Yeah, there they're, is like there's literally they're, they're like. I guess I I guess I I think in the same way as I said, Craig movies and car chases, Craig movies and villains, they're not the same in terms of the iconic Bond villains, like Le Chiffre, is just a banker with a with a weird eye. Yeah. Dominic Green is just a geek, geeky nerdy geek loser yeah, guy. Probably the most forgettable, I'd say, of the um of the Yeah. Of the the the, the Craig villains, I guess. Silva is probably the most iconic uh, Craig I would villain. Say, I would say I'd say Safin beats Dominic Green. Yeah, I would say I would say that too. I'm just saying James in the same way as like like character chases, Craig villains aren't that iconic. Um Silva is probably the most iconic one. Blofeld mm. should have been, but wasn't really. Yeah, just didn't work. Um, but then, like, you go back to the Moors. Like, Dalton didn't have any iconic villains, really. You mean... Sanchez? Sanchez. Yeah, but he's not really uh, he's like... not a... really. He's just some drug dealer guy. Um, Brad Whitaker is just an arms dealer guy. What about, what, about, what about the guy who does the, 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 the telephone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. I know, in fairness, the best villain... He's an iconic villain. The best villain scene, in terms of a villain being a complete badass, is uh, the the scene where <laughs> where Necros, the villain in, uh, in, in, in Living Dilly... Where he, where he in, infiltrates the, the, the MI6 safe house. I love that scene. D- disguised as a milkman. Throwing milk bottles. Throwing explosive people. milk bottles at people. Burning people's faces off cookers and stuff. Yeah, it's like a baddie James Bond doing absolutely badass stuff. He also like killed a fella with a door and then left a load of balloons fly up in the air. That's pretty badass. Yeah, he he's about the most. He he's kind of a, a sub villain, I guess. For how for, did Bond dispatch him? 
He got the boot. Oh yeah. <laughs> Out the plane. Yeah, when for for listeners who who aren't familiar, essentially Bond is escaping from Afghanistan in a in a cargo plane. Oh, yeah. he, and he ends he cuts up. His, he cuts the laces. Yeah. 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 Class. Um, Roger Moore has loads of iconic villains, as does Connery. Um, I mean, Christopher Walken is hard to beat. With his madness. Also. Brosnan, Brosnan has lots of good bodies. Kananga. Yeah, Kananga's a great villain. Under, underrated, I mean, I'd say. I mean, 006, that's a great villain. 006 is a great villain. Um, also in, in Brosnan. Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price is a great villain. Even, even Robbie Carlyle is not a bad villain, I don't think. Arguably, he was never really a villain. Though. Sophie Marceau is the, is, is, yeah. is the true villainous character in, in that film. When she takes her earrings off. Um, and reveals her scarred ears. That's how you know. Up to no good. Um, and then obviously Connery is just battling Blofeld left, right and centre. And Largo and um, the, the Red Grant. Goldfinger. Like, Goldfinger. Yeah. Like he's got a lot of good ones. Um, Safin is... Whatever. Nowhere near any of the, the greatest pantheon in a way. Just kind of a he's at a at a yeah, a grade C villain at best. There's only one more topic left on the agenda. It says overall thoughts. Yeah, that's a good topic to end on. I think we started with them as well, so Hey. Where did we all land on what is I suppose the defining love interest of the Craig era in as in Madeline Swan, mother of his child. Uh good 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 spectre presence, but uh no. all over the place in this film, I would have thought. No yeah. no Vesper. Exactly, yeah. Well just there isn't the same on screen chemistry between the two of them. Did That's anybody the... believe that she had betrayed him? No, not for a second, like No, me either. No, no. Not not even when her Spectre gif was flashing on her mobile. <laughs> Overall thoughts would be new era. New 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 uh new Yeah. Turn yeah. of a turn of a corner for Bondi. Where where would you like to see it going next? What's, gonna... What's the next step? I'd like to see them? it I'd like to see it go back back. I'd like to see it go back to a slightly more uh, Casino Royale type vibe. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see it. I, I was delighted that they did what they did by killing Craig because I feel like it gives them the authority now to reboot it properly because he had built up so much baggage in his movies that it would have been too hard to continue his story with another character. I don't think it would have worked. So I would like to see them maybe do something along the lines of you know, not not a slapstick as the man from Uncle, but something that's a bit more of a period piece, a classic spy movie. Yeah, I get that. I get I get the man from Uncle. You know, vibe that well, you want to have that. Do do that for a few movies. Try somebody else out in the role. Don't like. I wouldn't t- mind a, a, a slightly more classic espionage role yeah. as opposed to. The slightly nebulous stuff that's been going on in the last few films, you know. The the thing about the Bond movies is they've they've always been chasing, certainly since the Moore era, kind of the the current fad in action movies, which is why Moore has like done Star Wars and 
Die Hard and like every type of movie. And then um, Dalton came along and he did his kind of like gritty 80s action drug movie and Brosnan did his kind of like more sort of palatable blockbustery movies and then Craig tried to do Bourne for a while. I'd like to see them not chase whatever the the popular thing is at the moment and just do a sort of a classic-y spy movie that has a bit more... Uh, a bit, just a bit more sort of presence, just kind of grounded in something that isn't just, you know, trying to make headlines. So the biggest explosion in the Guinness Book of Records, are, that kind of thing. Are, are you talking James Bond? It sounds like you're thinking something closer to Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy or like, you know, the Bill Nye films like Turks and Caicos and things like that. Like, no, I'm more talking about the fact that I'm more talking about the fact that in Moonraker he had to take on a baddie who was try, trying to stoke tensions between the Cold War. So I think they just take the broader context of the fact that China hmm. is uh, is involved in like an espionage war with Western world. And, but you gotta you sell know, movie tickets Chinese. in China. That's the problem. <laughs> you just <laughs> yeah. Well. Do, do, do you know what? I don't want to see in the next Bond movie. I don't want to see nanobots or smart blood. I want to see good old, yeah, fa- good old fashioned, yeah. like tailing people in a car and just pointing guns at people. Like I don't need, I don't need complicated. You know I, I would like science I, fiction. I'd shit. like to see is that technology that that has happened. Like, is it like microwave attacks that are happening and like diplomats in Cuba? Oh yeah, yeah. That's the thing, yeah. Yeah. The um Havana syndrome. Yeah. So you're looking for more from Russia with love type well, movies than more kind of con- con- contemporary sort of, you know, the world does have spies and this is yeah. probably one of them, you know, rather than I I, I also want it to be much more centered around a particular mission and threat than, you know, Bond's love life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can go back to kind of um, having your one love interest for a film and then just like disappearing her into the ether again. Why not? I don't know. It's just a wee bit kind of. Um, I think in terms of representation, like you can't just. But that's that, that's only if you're assuming that Bond has disposed of her after he's gotten what he wanted. But it could be just a mutually agreeable fling on the heat of the moment but I suppose the whole point being that the only interesting character to the audience is, is the one who moves forward like that's the kind of uh, uh, I, do, I, thing I, take, I take your point I take your point on that Fabian but I, sometimes I just think as, as well you know like I think the world has moved on enough to know that that's not you know we, we grew up thinking that's the way things should be we know now that it's not but we can at least just say okay so there's this this um this kind of fossil of, but allow it to be a fossil, you know, allow it to be what it is, I guess. Okay. You know? Sort of an imperfect character. Or make him like Dalton. Yeah. Where clearly getting the mission done is more important than any of the other messing. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I like him the best. He doesn't joke with Q, he just like, get, picks up the tools and gets, moves on, with it, it, like. gets on with it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why you got love Timmy D? But I, I think you, I think you can drop a lot of the tropes now. I think Craig dropped a lot of the tropes, and you can just mm. make a good spy film. And I think we're all ready for that. 
Mm. Like they they kind of they've kind of watered Q down to basically not important anymore. The very likable character, kind of fun. Yeah, but Addington, a, like a real afterthought, a, uh, in the Craig era. Arguably an afterthought in most of the the James Bond films as well. He's w- one scene where he gives him all the gadgets and stuff, and that's not true. He regular sh- regularly shows up in the field to build to bring Bond little Nelly or yeah to pretend that he's his uncle or something. That's true. <laughs> so, a general thoughts: the return of Quarrel Junior Junior. <laughs> Who's going to play the next Felix? That's a good question. I mean, Ryan Reynolds would be a good option. That would be a class, yeah. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. And Matt Berry as Bond. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be in the, in, the, in the conversation, but I think... I think R- Richard Ayoade as Bond. That actually would be very good. I would watch that. He'd be like an ultra Dalton. <laughs> He'd have no time for any of the any of the messing. Who does Rowan think should be the next James Bond? He'd have no time to die. He doesn't have an opinion. He's just uh, too small. Getting ready for a nap. Insufficient brain at this point in his life to form an opinion on the next Bond. <laughs> He'd probably I'm sure he, had, he just can't express it. Hugo Weaving would be a great Bond villain. I just think trying to link it back to New Zealand. I think I think Rowan might have said Taiko Watiti. No, he should be a Bond villain. Taiko Watiti. He's, he's really upset about something. Do you know what would might soothe Rowan is our final big James Bond number of the night. Yeah. So Fabian, it's over to you. And then I think we're going to say a bit of ourselves goodbye. It's been a CC James Bond special. It's been CC72. It has been an exploration into the world of James Bond, specifically what we thought of No Time to Die. It's been a screaming child. But now it's time to soothe that child's screams of pain with a lovely James Bond number. And Fabian, you're going to tell us what that is. It's, it's the only titans of 80s synth pop from Scandinavia. <gasps> The 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 phenomenal aha with uh-huh. their with their stormer, uh, the living daylights. Hey driver, where we're going? I swear my nerves are showing Set my hopes up way too high Living's in the way we die Comes the morning and the headlights fade away Daylights. Oh, 
fire load is going Come on, James. Alright, hold on tight now. It's down, down to the wire. Such a hopes up way too high. Living's in the way we die. Comes the morning and the headlights fade away. Hundred thousand changes, everything's the same. I've been waiting long for one of us to say, save the darkness and let it never fade away. The living <laughs> hard to stop stuff going too hard, isn't it? The living day lies Oh, the living day lies I love this bit <laughs> James, you're not singing instrumental part of this song. Yeah. Good time to comment that some of the spelling in this karaoke video is extremely interesting as well. If I don't go now, I'm just not going to get the talk in the That sounds like a mission for James Bond. James, hundred thousand people I'm the one they're afraid oh, oh. The living daylights. Okay. Good pictures. Oh, 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 the living daylights. Ah oh, yes, another instrumental part. <laughs> this is goodbye from James. Way too He's high. jumped off. Living's in the way we die. What's up? Way too high. I think we gotta talk a bit. Living's in the way we die Set your hopes up way too high Living's in the way we die Well, that was amazing. Good night, everybody. James Bond will return, but not as James Bond, played by Daniel Craig, is a different multiverse. Bye-bye. Indeed, yeah.